Welcome to worship with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. This virtual worship service is brought to you in a time when we join you in practicing social distancing to curb the pandemic virus. We pray that in the not-too-distant future we will welcome you in person when you visit us in Old Town Alexandria. Good morning and welcome to this online worship service with the Old Presbyterian Meeting House in Alexandria, Virginia. On this fifth Sunday in the season of Easter, we continue our journey walking with the risen Christ. If you are interested in learning more about our faith community or becoming part of it, please contact our church office. And wherever you are in your journey of faith, know that you are welcome here. May we all feel God's welcome in this sacred time together. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us worship God.
A scripture reading from John 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How could you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own. But the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact, will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Do not let your hearts be troubled, says Jesus, but they are troubled. These words seem out of place and out of touch given our current situation. As we and millions of people sit in our homes, work from our homes, assuming we still have jobs, educate from our homes and worship from our homes, while worrying about the physical, emotional, and economic impact of the coronavirus, well, our hearts are very troubled. So how are we to hear and understand Jesus's words? It helps to know that these words are part of what is known as Jesus's farewell discourse. The setting is Jesus's last supper with his disciples. Jesus has washed his disciples' feet and has explained to them what this means. He has foretold his betrayal by Judas. He has told his disciples that he will be with them only a little while longer and that where he is going, they cannot come. He has also foretold Peter's imminent denial. It's no wonder then that his disciples' hearts are troubled. Their teacher is leaving them. One of their own has turned against them and another is about to fail them. Their lives and their livelihoods are clearly at risk. Knowing what they are thinking and how they are feeling, Jesus says to them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In the midst of their fear and uncertainty, 
Jesus calls them back to the fundamental relationship of trust and assures them that he is not abandoning them. He tells them he is returning to God, which is good news. By speaking of his ascension, he assures his disciples that his destination is also their destination. According to New Testament scholar Caroline Lewis, Jesus' farewell words to his disciples anticipate and assume the events that lie ahead, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and the ascension. Jesus needs them to know that there is more beyond the crucifixion, which for John is the inevitable outcome of being human. That which becomes human must die. At the same time, the resurrection and then the ascension are the next realities in store, not just for Jesus, but for all people. The resurrection is not the end all. The resurrection presumes that there is something more, the ascension. In fact, a good portion of the farewell discourse is devoted to the ascended life with God. And just as Jesus will ascend to God, says Lewis, so also will Jesus' followers, where he goes to prepare a place for them. Jesus was trying to reassure his disciples of his and God's abiding presence, but their anxiety about their future clouds their thinking and troubles their hearts. Thomas speaks for all of them when he says, we don't know. We don't know where you're going or the way. As one commentator puts it, the disciples are looking for seven habits, nine steps, or ten commandments, when the answer lies in intimate, if confusing and challenging, relationships, the preeminent one being between Jesus and them. Jesus calls his disciples into a future that is wholly dependent upon their relationship with him and with God. Jesus also stops Thomas and presumably the other disciples as well from complaining about the reasons they are so ignorant. When Thomas says, well, how can we know the way? Jesus says, I'm it. Surely you know me. And in that case, you know all you need to know. Thomas was fixated on the way. And in his mind, Jesus had not provided the necessary directions. Next up, it's Philip who says, Okay, then, just, just show us God and we'll be good to go. And Jesus responds, Don't you know me, Philip, after I've been with you all this time? Don't you understand that I came to show you and the others the intimate nature of God's relationship with you? As John tells the story, the essence of Jesus' mission is to reveal who God is. And as he put it in the opening verses of his gospel, Jesus was with the God in the beginning, and Jesus was God, and Jesus became flesh and lived among us full of grace and truth. So according to John, if we want to know who God is, we need to look no further than Jesus. All the words that Jesus has spoken, all the works that Jesus has done, are God's words and works.
Here and elsewhere in his farewell discourse, Jesus is telling his disciples that their lives are secure because of their relationship with him. And this is not only good news for Jesus's first disciples, it's good news for us, especially in this time of pandemic when our hearts are so troubled. While this passage of scripture is most often read and heard in the context of a funeral with an eye on our future with God, it is also a word for the present because Jesus is equally clear that we have some work to do, work that by the grace and power of God will be even greater than his. Now this, of course, is where Jesus's promise becomes a little harder to understand. Greater works than his? Really? Greater works than healing the blind and raising the dead? And God will do whatever we ask in Jesus' name? Really? To borrow from Elizabeth Johnson, we have all known the pain of praying for healing that did not come, of feeling powerless in the face of disease and death. How then? Can these promises be true? Yes, how can these promises be true? Especially in this dreadful and deadly time of pandemic, this time when our hearts are so clearly and painfully troubled by things beyond our control. I hardly need to tell you that I know what it's like to pray for healing and wholeness in the name of Jesus and yet still be met with suffering and death. And you know what that is like as well, because suffering and death are, as John put it, part of what it means to be human. So what do you think is John trying to tell us? Well, I want you to lay aside for a moment the mind-boggling statement that Jesus will grant us the ability to do greater things than he did, and focus once again on the people to whom Jesus first spoke these words. One writer describes them as the worst students in the worst class imaginable. They had all flunked the exam. They didn't know for sure who Jesus was, where Jesus was going, or what Jesus was up to. But because Jesus is so closely related to God, and because they are so closely related to him, they will be able to do even greater works in the world. So to borrow again from Johnson, perhaps our problem is that in hearing these promises, we expect to do these greater works in the same way that Jesus did them, with miraculous power that instantly solves the problem at hand. Yet, Even miracles are not guaranteed to produce faith. Many in John's gospel who witness the miracles that Jesus performs still have trouble seeing the work of God right before their eyes. As Johnson goes on to note, toward the end of John's gospel, Thomas sees the risen Lord and confesses, my Lord and my God, to which the risen Lord responds, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. 
This is not so much a scolding of Thomas, says Johnson, as a blessing for people like us, people who have not seen and yet believe, however feebly. Given the setting, the Last Supper, and given what was about to happen, betrayal, denial, and death on a cross, Jesus' words are even more powerful. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Trust that despite your shortcomings, your lack of knowledge, your lack of faith, there is room for you in God's kingdom. And trusting that to be true, do what you can, when you can, and where you can to make room for others. Greater works for greater numbers of people. On this, the fifth Sunday of Easter, in the year of the great pandemic, when so many hearts are troubled, the world, as Lindsay Armstrong notes, yearns to see and experience the way of life Jesus lifts up and yearns to see it embodied in the lives of real neighbors, co-workers, leaders, and friends. In light of that yearning, I pray God will grant us the courage and conviction to live and work like Jesus as part of God's family, sent to show the deeply needed love of Jesus, who welcomes, creates space for all, and empowers us to do even greater works than these. To God be the glory. Amen. May Jesus Christ, the way, the truth, and the life be with you. May the Spirit empower you to serve in Christ's name. And may God, who raised Christ from the dead, keep you forevermore. Alleluia. Amen.